Welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show. Live from Studio A of the our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. Still working on that one. It's your CHGO White Sox postgame host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson alongside me. Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Eckner123 is our CHGO White Sox community leader. You can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. We'll be joined live. Yes, live. Mm-hmm. From in, in Technicolor, I think. Were you around for Technicolor? Uh, I'm not thought that old, but yeah, Technicolor was a thing when we were kids. They used to say it before a show started. Is it still Technicolor? I I would think it, it wouldn't be. I think we I think we've passed Technicolor. Okay, all right. Let it. We got a live chat. Let us know in the chat what you know about Technicolor. Uh, hit the thumbs up button too. Uh, we are coming to you live. Oh, we'll be joined by Vinny Duber. Though. I don't know if I said that. Uh, you did. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer, live from Guaranteed Rate Field. Um, we are coming to you live after a White Sox. Loss. <laughs> Weird. Jesus, are you the are you the one that's bitter online, or is that me? Oh, I'm not bitter. You're stealing my best. Uh, this is just the thing. That was, is... I know, but that was kind of that was bitter. Yeah, a little petty. Yeah, I liked it. I'm not. I'm not saying we're here. I'm not trying to take that out of you. But as we saying, said yesterday, after petty. the victory, I was like, "Well, we'll lose tomorrow and go back to five and a half games back." And hi. Hi from the future. Hello. Uh, six to three, socks fall to and Herb. Uh, this might make you laugh. Uh, Eleven. No, is it, no, no, twelve games under five hundred. Uh, thank God the AL Central exists. Should we abolish the AL Central? I would think so. Like make a rule this year: if you don't finish with an over five hundred record, over not just eighty one, eighty one, over five hundred, you don't deserve to go to the playoffs. After the two thousand six. World Series, when the Cardinals won with 83 wins, I was like, nope, the White Sox are still the champions. You have to at least be this high to win a championship, and the Cardinals did not clear it. None of the AL Central teams will clear the 85-win mark. Might not even clear the 80-win mark this year. Remind me when Vinny comes on to ask him that, if we should abolish the AL Central, if the team that wins it goes under 81 and 81. I think he'll love that question. Um, <laughs> uh, Panavision and Technicolor from Clark. Uh, Clark, I, I know you like the video, and I appreciate it. Uh, we got Bo Jackson likes, uh, and, and we'd like to get to, as Herb brought up earlier, Ross G- Glowed uh, of at least 17. Sox lose 6-3. to three. I'm just kind of delaying the inevitable of talking about this game. Uh, let's flash the pitcher lines, because I think this is the true sign of what happened today. Sox lose 6-3, to three, and we had a pregame show earlier where I picked the Sox to win. Uh, I think Herb picked the Sox to win. Six to five, I did. Um, cause, and I think I picked five to four. Uh, and the under did hit. Uh, it was nine. Uh, under was nine and a half. Uh, but I think this is really the telltale sign of today. Kopech, four innings pitched, three earned runs, four hits allowed, five Ks, three walks. Martin Perez, seven innings pitched, three earned runs. Four hits, two Ks, two walks. Herb, where did the Sox go wrong against Perez? Because we saw those eye-popping numbers. I think 78 and a third innings pitched, allowed 90 hits, and we only see four hits and seven innings of work. That is very frustrating to me because we even saw last year against Martin Perez. They had, what, seven hits and like five innings or four innings of work. So Mm -hmm. they've had past success. It seems like they were really maybe too eager against Perez. They were crushing him in that first inning. We saw a line out from Andrew Vaughn in that first inning in the second batter. Then you see Luis Robert get on. And then in within the at-bat, you see Perez throw three straight change-ups to Aloy Jimenez. Then a fastball up above the uh, zone where he doesn't swing. So it's 2-2. And then on this fifth pitch, the change-up comes outside. Aloy learning and understanding what Perez is trying to do to him in the at-bat rockets that ball to right field, goes for a double, RBI double. The White Sox are on the board right there. And I thought, okay, here we go. The next batter, Jake Berger, hits like a 110-mile-per-hour laser to the shortstop. So I was like, all right, they got him figured out. But all the rest of the bats, for the most part, right after that, like I think he's uh, got 11 or 12 guys in a row after that, just because the White Sox are way anxious off on pitches. Like I was telling you, like 3-1 pitches, they were taking B swings instead of A hacks. Mm-hmm. And they were just allowing the ball to get deep. Like, Andrew Bentini does that a lot. But we saw Vaughn do it, but then eventually figure out what he was doing, uh, Perez was doing, and crush the ball. But it was too few and far between with this lineup, which 
is Jekyll and Hyde, as I was talking about. Vinny, last night, they scored a bunch of runs, especially against a quality pitcher, and Nathan Evaldi was a top five in F4 starting last night's game. And then you get a mediocre pitcher this year in Martin Perez, and he makes the White Sox look silly with only four hits given up. Yeah, and honestly, too, we bring up Vaughn, or you bring up Vaughn, and we see the first at-bat smokes a ball right at Young, um, and he makes the play. Uh, really nothing Vaughn can do outside of, you know, maybe run a little bit faster, but we know he's slow. Um, and then you see the second at-bat, and I regretfully deleted a tweet, uh, and my, our guy Chris Tannehill uh, tweeted me and said, this was a banger. Why'd you delete this? And, and sometimes, I, like Andrew Vaughn, I get a little bit anxious. I get a little bit nervous. And he sees a sinker uh, at the top of the zone, takes it for a ball, uh, usually with sinkers. You know, if it's high, let it fly. Uh, but Vaughn, patient, gets to a 1-0 count. Then he sees a changeup, really middle of the plate, fat pitch, yep. uh, and he takes it called strike. And then the next pitch, a cutter. The pitch that he grounded out to Young on was mm-hmm. a cutter that was actually more inside. This cutter is fat down the middle. Andrew stares at it. And then the next split pitch is a, a changeup outside, and you know Vaughn in a 1-2 count is forced to swing. And I think that's my biggest criticism of – Vaughn, at least, is there are good hitters on this team. Yep. And he's shown recently the ability to hit the ball hard and elevate the ball. Uh, I think in the past 15 games or something, he's got six homers. I think maybe now seven, if my math is off because of, of, you know, today's homer. Um, but uh, it's it's frustrating to see him, again, have a good eye, but then think he kind of has, like, the best eye. Exactly. And just is extremely too patient. So it is tough to be like, oh, you know, they, they weren't patient enough with, with Perez. It's just, I, again, this team struggles with pitch recognition. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just what we saw continue today and what we've seen continued for the past year. And I guess that's why John Heyman and Bob Nightingale are like, hey, they should fire this guy. <laughs> this I, guy sucks. I think, yeah, and you're right on it. They're ultra-aggressive in situations where being passive, being Patient is called for, and they're ultra passive when it's called for a 3-0 swing, and it's called for let's knock this ball out of the ballpark. Last night, and I'll get to him again, last night or two nights ago, Zach Rimlard's up as the tying run on at, at the plate with the runners on first and second. He's squaring the bunt. He did that last night, and guess what he did today again? He bunted again and got out. Like, it's just way too many times the White Sox continue to do things that are antithetical to winning. And he needs to, him, Zach Grimlard, who just came up last week, Andrew Vaughn, who you just talked about, there's so many chances where the White Sox have the count and they're in the advantage and then they just at least take the pitch or they're very passive with it. I mean, today there was a 3-0 right, pitch to uh, Aloy Jimenez that was a ball everywhere. It was outside and low, and Aloy rightly took it, but it looked like he was about to pass at it. He was about to give it a swing if it was a fastball in his zone. I like that because Aloy looks like he's coming around. Now, if we get that type of uh, aggressiveness throughout the lineup, that would be good for the offense because that would produce a couple more runs. A little bit more Jake Berger and a little lot, a lot less of Yasmani Grandal type of approach to the plate. I really feel like since you're me and Mercedes swung on 3-0, like that has really cursed this team. And watching baseball games with you, when you notice the White Sox have a 3-0 count, it's literally just red alert. Yes. Herb's just like, I'm right, going to yell. This, is this MF going to swing? Is this MF going to swing? And it really is just entertaining to see, you know, even in Aloy having a good at-bat, you get frustrated just because it's like, all right, you just want the chance for them to have a pitch right down the middle and see what happens. You've worked this if, hard. If, right. Like, and <laughs> if they get a 3-0 meatball, middle, middle, I feel like you're probably going to lose it. Yes. You go to the loony bin. Exactly. And then everybody's like, well, you get a better chance to walk. You may be patient. No. You've worked hard for that count. Don't give the pitcher a free strike just because you feel like you have such a great advantage that he still has to come to you with two other pitchers. Yes. But now, since he knows that you're not swinging on 3-0, he can just lay his fastball down pipe and not get punished. You need to punish these pitchers when they make mistakes. We saw Andrew Vaughn punish a pitch that was up 
for the home run. We saw Aloy Jimenez punish it outside the strike zone changeup because he knew that was Martin Perez was throwing, and he knew Martin Perez couldn't get him out on anything else. So he was like, okay, here, I'm just going to serve it where you're pitching at. These these kind of plays need to be reverberated all the way throughout the lineup and have that type of, guys, we're the, we're the prize here. That pitcher's in trouble. They feel It feels like in some of these at-bats that they feel like they're on the defensive. No, you literally have the bat. He's just throwing a ball, and he has to get it in this little square. If he can't get in the square, then you go to first. And it feels like the White Sox are just like, oh, my God, I, this pitcher's throwing the slider. I can't do it. I'm going to swing at the ball to the ground. Like Andrew Vaughn did right there. Swung at the ball that he, they were trying to walk him late in the game, and he swung at the ball that was in the dirt for the third strike. It's way too many aggressive swings when you need to be more Plate rec- or pitch recognition, as you said, they have way too many of those players who are just off on both sides of it. Well, and then even Vaughn, too, um, you go to the at-bat that he homers on, um, he gets to a 3-1 count, and then he ends up fouling off a sinker that would have likely been ball four. I don't know what this ump. This ump was pretty fucking Oh, he was, off. He was off. Sorry to swear. Um, my bad. I know uh, this is uh, the FCC is reviewing our podcast. Kids are watching uh, at ten o'clock. You're very worried about uh, me dropping f bombs left and right. Children are watching um, at ten o'clock. But even the even you know never swore the third ball that Vaughn took uh, the fourth pitch, which was a cutter. Uh, the ninth pitch was also a cutter that he takes out of the park. I think you mentioned it might have been high, um, but yeah. it, you know it, it was it was a low pitch, uh, a low. No, cutter. it was just uh, it was higher. I mean, it was a fat pitch. So sorry. Oh, okay. But I, I, what I was kind of reminiscent of the swing that he had April thirtieth on the grand slam to to walk it off. Yeah, you know, just kind of you know really bending down, going down and getting that pitch. Um, again, still swinging at a pitch that would have been a walk. Not trying to complain about a home run, uh, but still we're trying to improve the quality of at bats here and plate appearances for the White Sox. And even though, hey. Home run, nice. Again, that's that is a ball, and you know it would have been nice to put that pressure on Perez because it really never felt like Perez had that pressure um, until the seventh, which nope. he was able to pitch around because Andrew Benatendi is your left fielder for the next five years. I want to point out that Jose uh, quote right there. Hey, uh, Stephen, Michael, can you look at that uh, Jose one up from Belzar? Uh, kind of embarrassing to the Sox. The Cubs are on the new rebuild and seem like more exciting to us. The Cubs have won a World Series in 2016, dismantled that team, rebuilt, and are back on track quicker than the White Sox are. You're it's damn like, right they are. It's, like, it's just it's just that bad that and they they lost their genius VP of Baseball Ops Theo Epstein. Brought in a new guy, Carter Hawkins, as the general manager, with Jed going up to the VP of Baseball Ops. They're looking better because they have an actual plan. They have people that are doing well. Cody Bellinger would have looked good on a White Sox uniform. Uh, Smiley's doing well there. Of course, yeah. a, guy, a guy named Stroman's doing awesome. Like, this is ridiculous. This is what the White Sox get when they have bad plans, bad execution, and the front office falling asleep. The other side of town has done a complete rebuild on the fly, and they're better than you. Uh, not to be rude, I, I I don't buy into that a ton. Just because, I mean, we heard Luke Stuckmeyer and Cody Domendo last year just kind of being jealous of our position of being eighty-one and eighty-one, and be like, "Oh, at least you guys are winning games." You know, like but, I I just feel but, like that is very much in the moment. The Cubs have not proven anything. They have not won a division. Mike, it's been three months of the of this of this current stretch, right? I mean, are they even in first place right They're now? They're not because NL Cincinnati's Central? won eleven in a row, right? I mean, that's a that's a pretty successful rebuild right there. I'm just, I'm but, just saying. But I'm that, saying like I like they've won a World Series in the time that we've yeah. rebuilt a World Series. Right. Built, got rid of most of those guys, rebuilt it up, and as people say, Strowman, they went and got Dansby Swanson this offseason. We would never get all these people. We would never go out and do what the Cubs did. And, yes, I'm talking about the Cubs on a White Sox podcast. And if it makes you mad, it should. I, put, put that ire towards Rick Hahn. Put that like, ire towards uh, Kenny. Not you. I'm talking yeah, about person no. watching, listening. This I'm, is ridiculous. The Cubs are doing well right now. They are playing good baseball. I've watched them. They're playing really good baseball. And the White Sox are not. They haven't played good baseball in a while. Like, if you watch those games, they're actually competing. Now, the White Sox are, had a specific tank 
and we're supposed to be better than this, and we're not. We're worse than we started off being in 2016 when we were mired in mediocrity. We can't even be mediocre right now. Right, and I'm, I'm not trying to say and step in front of all of these shots you're firing at Rickon because they are well-deserved. Um, absolutely. I just say, you know, I, I don't know if I buy in that we need to look across town. I think we do. I mean. They did it quickly. They did it pretty quickly where they're competing in a division that sucks like our division. Herb, I do want to ask you, though, you know, throwing that at Han, you look at the Bulls in the same situation the last 20 years. Is that more of a Jerry thing? No, no. Kenny Williams won a World Series with this team. And when people say that, it's like Kenny knew how to get around the Jerry stuff. And you could say it the fluke. He fluked it. Tell me one thing that, that Rick Hahn has fluked into. I'm waiting. Has he fluked into a, a, division, a champion, uh, any um, playoff wins, any playoff series wins? No. So, like, I hate when people compare, and it's not you, Mike, compare the Bulls thing to the White Sox thing. Whatever you got to say about Kenny Williams. The man's got a skin on the wall. One skin on the wall. Lucky or not. Let Rick, please, Rick, get fucking lucky. Get lucky in a playoff series. I feel like that leads to the national stuff. I mean, I I think, you know, Jim Margulis touched upon Rick Hunt's comments about uh, John Heyman and him opening up the his his uh, you know preamble to his uh, pr- uh, media press pool and saying you know I wanted to talk about James Feagan and how incredible James Feagan is at his job but this John Heyman guy and and Jim brought up the point that you know Bob Nightingale has been saying all yes. this same stuff on 670 and uh, brought up all the White Sox players want to get traded but they haven't gone to the front office yet but Bob Nightingale doesn't get touched I feel. Like, we do see at least a power struggle between the two heads with the, within the White Sox, within Kenny, who says, you know, hey, I have that ring, I have my, th- that skin on the wall, and you have not done anything. Yes. And Kenny probably feels frustrated because, you know, he's got a lifetime contract with the White Sox. So he probably wants to take over and see if he's still got it and try to lead this team with a $185 million budget in the AL Central to a title. Like, I don't think it would be crazy to remove Rick Hahn from his position, and then you guys think Chris Getz is going to step up? No. No, it's going to be Kenny. No. And Kenny Williams Jr. might be the GM, and Kenny and, and, and Kenny Sr. might be, you know, help, helping to make all those calls. Like, I, I'm just saying that I'm saying, yeah, like, Kenny- I, I think that the national reporters and the fact that Rick Hahn's going after John Heyman is because there is a power struggle within the Sox. Okay. I hear I don't you. know. I, I mean, hear you, and because I, I don't, I don't really care to look at the Cubs or the Bulls because, again, like, just it's just different. Kenny can get fired too. He should get fired because he, he has because he, he had. But you but, bring up that again. He he has he's won a World Series. Hey, what other GM in the White Sox has won a World Series? That's all I'm saying. I know, but that doesn't mean the White Sox suck as a franchise. Fire yes. everybody because they suck. Yes, that's my. Th- a, I mean, a hundred percent. But what I'm saying is that what the Cubs have done, while the record's not sparkling is impressive what the white Sox have done is just atrocious and nothing's changing this year happens and it still stays 12 11 10 9 8 games below 500 rick Hahn's not getting fired they're not firing him they're just reassigning him to somewhere else so he can say i'm the vp of that reports to the owner bullshit whatever job he's never getting fired got this job for life he's gotten multiple opportunities to get fired i posted his record the other day mm-hmm. it's 450 is his a uh, 460 is his winning percentage in his right. 10 plus years as a general manager here Since and and after that i got people well there was a couple of years there kenny williams was the guy teflon Hahn. No, since 2013 the white Sox, their mlb uh organization is like 26 or 27th in win percentage mm-hmm. i mean it's 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 since his tenure they've been horrible yes and still, there's Han bots out there all battling, bringing up Kenny all the time. Like, I don't need you to bring up Kenny. I, Kenny can get fired, too. If you want me to say Kenny needs to get fired, cool. But the person that speaks the front-facing voice and face of the White Sox is Rick Hahn. And so I'm going to give him this smoke. You think if the opposite was happening, the White Sox are actually doing well, you think people are like, man, this Kenny Williams is out here doing work. They'd be sharing the the joy or sharing the the praise for Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn? No, it wouldn't be. That's what I'm saying. 
If we're if we're gonna be an even handed, that man needs to get a lot more hell than he's gotten so far. Right. And I mean, even if you bring up the Cubs too, like I mean, just trying to look at other references that we can compare them to. I mean, the Red Sox, they won a World Series in twenty eighteen. One of their key components was Mookie Betts. They traded him and right now in ever. a tough AL East, they're thirty nine and thirty six. Herb, who do the White Sox play next? The Red Sox. Oh, the look at that. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's interesting to be able to compare those two teams uh, because again, you see the White Sox. Twenty nineteen was kind of that year that we saw a little bit of fire from the Sox, um, and obviously the Red Sox were cheating in twenty eighteen. I wouldn't be opposed to the White Sox cheating. You know, hey, I would I mean, be. I, I, hey, look, us being goody two shoes, and even Jack McDowell will uh, contend that the White Sox weren't that goody when uh, Tony Russo was a manager. Um, but also, that story is a little fuzzy because I don't even think that he was. The, he the didn't cross over. No, no uh, uh, the timeline didn't match up. No. Uh, but hey, I love Jack McDowell's energy for it. But like again, Vinny brings up the stat: like 122 years, and they've made the playoffs 11 times. They're a, they're a loser franchise. Like, that plain and simple. And, like, what they need is a clean house, and that's just not going to happen. But, like, the Red Sox, I'm pretty sure they, they cleaned house after 2018. And I think, you know, uh, what, Dombrowski, I think, built that team. And I know he's in Philadelphia. Getting Dombrowski teams, would be Getting I mean, teams to the World Series. He's got a White Sox connection. Yep. I mean, I don't know. Hopefully the Philadelphia Phillies win a World Series, and then Jerry could be like, hey, you want to win another World Series with a different team? I'll give you all the money in the world. Uh, it'd be nice if it would happen, but it's just not. Again, you look at the White Sox and how much they spend on their front office and how much they used to spend on the draft before it was capped and before uh, an international spending before it was capped. They didn't spend. Like, Jerry Reinsdorf has the big payroll, but, again, the actual – Car parts are all Amazon, you know? Like, it's it's just poorly built. So, uh, Jerry built that uh, submarine? Jerry built that submarine. Jerry, Jerry has the Logitech controller uh, up and function into the uh, the PS2 plug, um, looking out his small little porthole um, stuck inside the Titanic. I know some of us, who, as White Sox fans, wish we were in that little compartment going down to see the Titanic. Yeah. I no. Mean, uh, instead of this, just, instead of watching these games, hey, every night. apparently just become a Cubs, a Cubs fan. I mean, you know, their show was, was on earlier. You know, hey, we got CHGO Sports is is very very uh, growing. Uh, you know, we got our CHGO diehard program. Hey, don't go to the bottom of the ocean. Just you know, become a diehard. It's cheaper, and you don't die. You don't perish. They're not dead yet. Yet, knock on wood. Hopefully, they find them. I mean, they'll the find them, but who's who's going to rescue them? Like the White Sox situation. Uh, exactly. No, literally. Like the White Sox situation, who's going to rescue them? Uh, make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button. We appreciate it. We are past uh, Ross Glode in likes. So that that's very, very positive. Very appreciate that. We have Billy Pierce. I think we're at Billy Pierce at, at 19. Uh, our guy, Baloney Fonseca, uh, saying, my donation to the FCC fines. Uh, let the F-bomb go, boys. Uh, again, uh, there is no FCC fines, So, but we really we do, we do appreciate it. But we do get judged on people doing reviews and the guy left a four-star review which is good but he said i swear too much now we're at your number 23 robin ventura look at yes. that uh can, since uh uh, uh baloney gave us a, a super chat steven can you show him the super chat noise and give us two for a uh, husky bardo we'll get to the pitching right after the break herb it's time to do your first read Ooh. we're gonna do husky bardo's thing so take your time there you go give me one more mike Honk. All right, show him the goose honk too. Come on, let's 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 train this kid. Uh, show him the ropes. All right, I mean you can run him left to right, up and down, but can you climb to the top turnbuckle? He can. Husky Bardo with the super chat, five dollars super chat. Thank you very much to Husky Bardo and Baloney. Uh, Tuki Toussaint gonna fit into the rotation once Lee Lucas is gone. Maybe. They're 12 games under 500. Rick Hahn said, hey, they don't look like a contender. They just lost to the Rangers. Herb, they still don't look like a contender. So, um, no. You know who does look like a contender? Sunnyside. Sunnyside. Mercy. Yes. Yes. Sunnyside is your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping. Yes. A place where all kinds of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of high-quality products. Sunnyside has everything you need to elevate your summer. One-stop shop for all your cannabis needs, no matter where you are. On your cannabis journey, easy online ordering and online store pickup. Great transparent loyalty program with Sunnyside Rewards. Illinois' favorite dispensary from the city to the suburbs. Wrigleyville to River North. Champagne to South Beloit. Sunnyside House of Brands are Mindy's, the uh, best-tasting gummies, and the chocolate edibles created by James Border, 
Beard Award-winning chef Mindy Siegel and Cresco Labs. Good news, the gummies, they're called Frye. Oh. Like, you know, thank God that God is Frye. I personally have some of those. Rechargeable vape pens and carts. Perfect for, perfect and great, uh, perfect for great moments with the crew. Cresco, reliable, excellent cannabis, consistent quality, experience, availability, flower, vapes, concentrates, pre-rolls, or Floracal. Born on the West Coast, Floracal Farms is committed to the rigorous phenome hunting and small batch cultivation practice that yield only the best results. Flowers always hand-trimmed and expertly cared to ensure you only the best flower vapes, gummies, and pre-rolls. The CTA of this one is through August. Head to sunnyside.shop and use code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your total order. One use per customer. That's not only for new customers. Anyone can use our code. Pick up everything you need to elevate your summer. Must be 21 plus or an Illinois and an Illinois med card holder. Hell yeah, Herb. And or an Illinois med card holder. You can put it on the board. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Um, I've gone to this place, the one both in River North and Wrigleyville. Thumbs up? Thumbs up. Mercy. Um, Herb, I need you to stretch. Uh, there's a Lewis University uh, shirt, I believe, right underneath your Goose Island beer. Uh, but Lewis, Lewis University students are, are just like you, the folk watching. The 26 who have given us a thumbs up are, are lovely, lovely subscribers. They have full-time jobs. They have families. They have full-time sports fandoms. Uh, and also, you know, I mean, maybe you're a college student. Maybe you're just hanging out in your dorm. Maybe you're hanging out summer break. And maybe first year, second to co- uh, year college wasn't right for you. Maybe you didn't meet the right people. Maybe you're missing home. Maybe you're from Chicago. Maybe you went to Indiana. Maybe you went to Alabama. Maybe you went to California, right? Maybe you went to ISU. And now you want to go to the school that Jay Zawoski went to? Hey, this one's only 35 minute, uh, miles away southwest of, of Chicago in Romeoville. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can go back to school, school and earn a respected degree at Lewis University. It's ranked as one of U.S. and News and World Report's top-tier colleges. And they offer career support and academic resources for adult students. And again, if you are a student who maybe didn't love their first college choice and want to finish or complete your bachelor's or master's degree or enroll in a professional certificate program, Lewis has the right program for you. Uh, My cousin Maggie uh, was a nurse, didn't love her choice uh, in Indiana, and then went to Lewis to finish her degree. And now she has a fantastic full-time job at a very respected uh, uh, hospital. That's what those are called. That's where the nurses work. Um, And uh, she's living on her own, and we're so damn proud of her. So discover how a degree from Lewis can help you Build a better world. Learn more at lewisu.edu slash you can do this. Lewisu, the letter, dot edu slash U-Y-O-U can do this. And I have visited Lewis University before they became a sponsor, back when Jay Zawaski was attending, and I didn't know the guy. We met there, had a good time. Can you legally talk about what you and Jay Zawaski did there? I mean, I was visiting my friend Jill, who was his mutual friend, our mutual friend Jill, and went up to visit Jay up in his room. Yeah, and he was just drinking, enjoying <laughs> Lewis University. Amen. He's a, one of their prized alum. Uh, yes, he is. He's he's very, very famous. The Flyers. The, have you seen the Jay Zawoski Hall? I haven't. Yes. I got He got married at Lewis University, which I Did went he? to. Yes. Damn. The Great Hope, and I went to that wedding, and I sweated my ass off. Is that her legal name? The Great Hope. I mean, if you met her, yes. Okay, all right. Um, she's the best of that uh, relationship. Oh, and Jay's and Jay's pretty great. And Jay's, Jay's all right. Um, let, let's go to Michael Kopeck. Um, can we? Sh- oh, we got a super chat. First, let's go to the super chat. Mike, play the super chat noise. Uh, Daniel with a five dollars super chat saying a break from this socks. Uh, a break from this socks. Keep losing talk. Uh, what are your favorite thirty for thirty documentaries, sports documentaries? Etc. Herb, do you have one? Off your and thank, thank you very much, Mike. Uh, Mike did bring up the Bulls. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I think people have heard of this. Uh, the Last Dance was all right. Um, so I mean, there you go for a, a sports doc. But specifically for Thirty for Thirty, I did love a lot of those. Do you have any ones to stick out? Um, convicts versus criminals, pretty good one. Uh, Notre Dame versus Miami. Yeah, football. mostly because Ed Farmer was big time Notre Dame fan, even mm-hmm. though he didn't go there, and he would wear that convicts versus criminals shirt sometimes when we see him. When we visited him in Pittsburgh, he had that on, and so we watched. It. I was like, yeah, yeah, Ed Farmer. Um, <laughs> of course, the Last Dance I think is the goat, as they focused on the goat in that one. Um, 
just unbelievable. I don't know if it was because we're in the pandemic at the time and just chilling and we couldn't go anywhere, but it was enthralling TV. I would watch it again. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I lived through I mean, so people who didn't live through it, like yourself, Mike, I don't know if Steven lived through uh, the the 98 Bulls season. Yeah, see, exactly, five years old. So watching the 30 for 30 probably brought, oh, man, you guys had this? Yeah, we did. As a as a youngster, at first I was seven. I the Bears won the Super Bowl. I was like, man, this is gonna be great. I was gonna be that annoying Boston kid. Like, I won a bunch of championships. But then the '90s and my teens, Bulls win six championships. Like, man, this shit's easy. What are y'all talking about? What are you old heads talking about? See her. Then we just went through a dearth of winning championships until the, I think the Blackhawks won in like ten. And all I got right now, Herb, for you is I watch the Derrick Rose documentary and I cry every time because that's all I got going. He's he's <laughs> sad, sad. His career. How it ended and how it's uh, derailed. He will probably be the first MVP to not make the Hall of Fame. We'll see. I mean, Dan Terry Borsch, uh Dan Bertsey and Terry Borsch try to clear out the Basketball Hall of Fame. So, I mean, they do kind of let that door kind of. I they, mean, if you if you catch it at the right time, that door might be unlocked. I mean, Derrick Rose might be able to sneak in. I know might Joe Dumars is all right, but he's in the Hall of Fame. He might be able to squat there. Um I, to just stick to 3030s, uh, June 17th, 1994, I was not alive for that date, uh, but that is crazy, uh, watching the police, police chase of OJ, but then like intermixed with all of the other sports events happening that day. Arnold Palmer was playing in the final round of his final round at the 1994 U.S. Open, uh, the start of the 1994 FIFA World Cup, which was hosted by the U.S. for the first time. Uh, the Rangers celebrated their win in New York uh, on Broadway for the 1994 Stanley Cup. Game five of the 94 finals between the Rockets and the Knicks happened, uh, and also the freeway chase on NBC. So they were kind of going back and forth uh, between the Knicks and Rockets and OJ. And then Ken Griffey tied Babe Ruth's record of 30 homers before June 30 uh, in 1994. Um, so, and then they kind of talk about the aftermath as well. So that one's fantastic. And then the Steve Bartman incident, um, Catching Hell is the title of that one. Uh, that one's just I- insane. Uh, reliving that moment. And there isn't really one that, I think lives up to that. Uh, I do think Secret Base 2 uh, does a fantastic job. Anything done by uh, John Boyce is, is incredible, uh, just to, again, distract from Sox talk. And our guy Chris Pennant of CHGO Sox just worked with uh, Secret Base. Got uh, a new one out. Did something on uh, Mark Cuban and Doc Rivers, right? Yeah, Beef. The the beef History. Yeah, their Beef History series. Uh, yeah, Doc Rivers and uh, Mike, Mark Cuban is pretty good. Like They uh, explain exactly why both these guys do not like each other and how their lives kind of parallel each other or their NBA lives parallel each other. If you want a couple, I'll give you three recommendations just from Secret Brace, and then we'll get back to the White Sox. Uh, The story of Dave Steeb, he is a former White Sox. uh, That's done by Dorktown, uh, John Boys, and uh, Alex Rubenstein. Uh, The history of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, that Dorktown is uh, fantastic. Again, another loser franchise. Might feel familiar for for you White Sox fans. Uh, And the history of the Seattle Mariners, a team that has never won a World Series, and uh, they're uh, called, uh, they kind of label them as the most fascinating team on earth. Uh, And a lot of those are long, so if you were looking for something to do uh, this weekend, uh, check those out. Um, all right. What do we have to talk about? Kopech. Yeah. Kopech. Uh, can we see the graph where he threw all his pitches? You like that one? No, 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 no. Not the stuff. The map. I sent a map. Steven, do you have the map? It's okay if you don't have the map. Oh, it's not in here. So what I'm trying to show with the map here, and, and yeah. we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the pitch selection here from, from uh, Michael Kopech. There it is. Uh, and there you go. It's right there. Um, I think he did a really good job of just separating that fastball and slider. I know that he only went four innings, and we could talk about that right away, 86 pitches. But there was some success there from Kopech. But, again, kind of the consistent issue with Kopech of missing the zone, getting into 2-0 counts, and even though, hey, he ended up getting some strikeouts, it was just not efficient enough. Yeah, it was just really bad. And our own Vinny Duber 11 minutes ago said, Pedro Gafols said he lifted Michael Kopech after four innings due to rapidly rising pitch count following taxing third and fourth innings, presenting an opportunity to get Kopech an extra inning of rest. How do you feel about that? Oh, frustrated. Aside. How are you supposed to (laughs) battle through adversity if you're not given the chance to? The third and fourth innings, tough. But the game wasn't over then. Game was still hanging in the balance. And I'm taking my chances with Michael Kopech over James Lambert this year, Jimmy Lambert, every time. 
and he only had 86 pitches. A lot of pitches. Fine, I give you that. But he's done this before. He did it with a 40-pitch inning by uh, Mike Clevenger. I think he had 75 at the time total. He took him out after the fourth inning, and that was it. I guess it's his call, but it's a dumb call. He wasn't great, but you need he needs to pitch. Get him extra rest. Put him on the IL. He'll get 15 days. It's just so – it's a bad thing. He didn't have a good game up until that point, but he can probably give you a better effort than what Jimmy Lambert can. What, how did he think that Jimmy Lambert was going to be a better option than uh, 86 pitches – in the fifth well, inning, Michael Kopech. And I do wonder what tone that sets because, again, it felt like, and I think you even asked the question, why is Jimmy Lambert in this game? And then you're mm-hmm. like, oh, they're down 3-1. And I do wonder if that kind of sets the tone of, all right, guys, we're going to kind of give up. Like, what if that's Joe Kelly that goes in the game at that moment, right? Does that change no. the, the mindset of the Sox? And it's like, oh, hey, that's a two-run ball game, and putting in Jimmy Lambert, who's just fresh off a rehab assignment, making his first appearance since that rehab assignment is in the game, and it's kind of like, uh, well, all right, here we go. I mean, maybe we'll get three runs. That was like a, a halfway white flag. All right, our starter's out. We're going to throw one of our worst pitchers this year. And like you said, coming off the IL, here we go. Here you go, Rangers, a hot-hitting team, a team that can hit home runs with the quickness, up and down the lineup. Enjoy Jimmy Lambert, and they did immediately. Yeah, I didn't hate the fact that they pulled him um, just because it was getting to a point of the lineup that really became difficult. Uh, You ended up facing Seager. Lambert ended up facing Seager, uh, Lowe, and uh, Garcia. And we did see Garcia hit Kopech fairly hard. So I do understand, and Seager as well, like I do understand, and I think Lau uh, walked and then doubled too. So, I mean, all those guys had success against Kopech. I do understand maybe Kopech is going to have, you know, diminished stuff. The Sox really didn't work Perez at all to give Kopech a break. But again, you're going to Jimmy Lambert. And Lambert really wasn't able to do anything, and he ends up giving up uh, the, the three runs that really put the game away uh, with the Heim homer. So I, I don't know. I really just hate the move to go to Lambert because that feels like the white flag move, not really pulling Kopech because you have a day off tomorrow. Yes. So use the bullpen. I mean, as you mentioned, it's Kopech, it's Lambert, and then Tuki Toussaint eating innings mm-hmm. because the game's over by the moment you put in Lambert. Like, that's the thing that frustrates me is just, you know, when – Rick Hahn's like, oh, well, these guys, you know, they're not playing confident. They kind of have to come out, and we'll see if they show it. Tough to have confidence when you're losing. Well, it's, I mean, is does Pedro Griffal have confidence? Like, I, I, is, no. I mean, he's, he's fine in the first game of every fucking series throwing Joe Kelly, Kendall Graveman, and uh, uh, Kendall Graveman and Reynaldo Lopez no matter the result. I mean, I, I remember being there for the race series when, you know, they're losing like 12 to nothing, and here comes Kelly, Graveman, and uh, – Ray Lowe. Ray, Ray Lowe in the in the seven eight nine. Like, I mean, it's just it it's brutal sometimes, and I just hate that decision to go to Lambert in hindsight. Yeah, uh, he has to have a better explanation than the one he just gave, just because he had taxing third and fourth innings, and he's trying to save them and get him an extra inning rest. The game is hanging in the balance, brother. Are I thought you said you're gonna be getting this team to whoop the other team's ass at seven ten. So I guess an hour and 10 minutes in, you're like, good. So if it's 8.20, nah, we're great. It's Jimmy Lambert time. 7.10, that ass is ours. <laughs> but if it, if it comes taxing and it's 3-1 to one in the fifth, man, it's over. White flag time. It's just dumb. It's just a really dumb thing. If he didn't tell you he was tired, if he didn't say, I got nothing, well, then what are you taking him out for? He has to learn. He can't just keep on going four innings. That's what he went last inning. He went last game. He went four and a third last game. Now he goes four innings this game. How is he going to learn to pitch to six, seven, eight innings unless he does it? He has to burn through that lactic gas. He has to burn through that stuff to get to the next level How much and understand, okay, I can't use as many pitches as I want to because this cycle is going to take me out if I pitch 40 pitches in the fourth inning, even though it's only 86 pitches, and I'm fresh. I'm feeling good. How- I'm from Texas, so I can handle the heat. <laughs> like, it doesn't, like, his reasoning doesn't make sense. If you do that, like you said, and you put out, if you put out right there, 
Groot Santos, who pitched a lot last night, or somebody who's been doing well, Keenan Middleton, which, you know, results have been ve- uh, very varied uh, for Keenan Middleton in the last couple of times out. But if you put those two guys out there and you say, okay, Michael didn't have it, I'm taking him out, but I'm putting a pitcher that I can rely on to get me to the sixth inning, bet money. I'm good with it. Well, but putting Jimmy Lambert in just tells me game was over for you. And sorry to cut you off, but how much do you think Kopech, who just pitched 100 in uh, back-to-back games for the first time in his career, uh, June 10th and June 16th, 100 pitches and 102 pitches, how much do you think that played into factor? That the fact that, hey, if he does go out for this inning, it is likely just with how he has worked that he'll throw 14 more pitches, and that will be three straight outings of 100 pitches. You have to. He He's a starting pitcher in the major leagues, one of five on the White Sox. If he can't pitch minimum 100 pitches, cruising, then he doesn't deserve to be in the starting rotation. And you can't pussyfoot him. You can't baby him in his second full year of starting. You got to push him to the limit. Otherwise, why have him on the team if he's just going to be some kind of spot starter opener type of pitcher? If you want to do that with him, I would be more resigned to that and just say, Michael Kopech, you're no longer a starter. You are an opener. Every fifth day, you will open, and then we'll take you out when we feel like you're losing gas, whether that's 20 pitches or 85 or 100 if you can go that far. But he's a starting pitcher. Stop babying him. Stop looking out for his best interest or using the that as the excuse and say, Michael Kopech, we think you are a top-of-rotation pitcher. You have to prove that to us. And how you prove that to us is pitching through not having great stuff, pitching through adversity, pitching versus a team that has hit you hard in that game and understanding what you need to do to get that hitter out next in his third time going against you, maybe in his fourth time going against you. Because he wasn't getting hit necessarily rocketed. He was giving up walks. He's striking out his fair amount. I just, it's just so weak. No, you're, I mean, you're right about not getting hit hard, 11 balls in play, 87 uh, and a half mile per hour exit, average exit velocity. Uh, let's show this stuff in results uh, here, Stephen. Uh, 49 fastballs today. And again, I, I, you know, we've seen a reliance on this fastball, 57% used. Usually it's around 60%. And it wasn't ineffective. It was major league average, uh, four whiffs on 17 swings, 27% called strike plus whip percentage on that pitch. Uh, it really, you know, not diminished velocity-wise. was sitting around 95 miles per hour, which was effective. Uh, the slider didn't get a ton of swing and misses. Uh, two whiffs on 12 swings, uh, but he was able to get it uh, located and uh, get some called strikes on it. But uh, 23% called strike plus whip percentage. And again, just not able to locate the zone enough. I like the separation of the forcing fastball and the slider, uh, but not able to get whiffs out of the zone or at least get chases out of the zone, and I think a lot of that's just 1-0. I think a lot of these teams are saying, throw me a strike. I, I'm not swinging until you throw me a strike. And I think Kopech, again, like there is that moment where you see the velocity and you see the stuff, but I do wonder how much he can actually control it mm-hmm. because he gets amazing arm side run on that four-seam fastball, but a lot of the time it just seems like it's out of his control to be pinpoint accurate, and those whiffs do not come because – Again, he doesn't have that control yet to, or at least his slider or changeup or curveball to locate that. I mean, I know Steven mentioned how he loved Dylan Cease on OO throwing that curveball first and flashing that. And uh, there's a clip somewhere, I think, of Ethan Katz saying, you know, that's something that I like to teach is let's locate that curveball OO because people aren't looking at it. Uh, Alec, uh, Nick Pollock of Pitcher List says that that's a free strike, basically, is just throwing a curveball OO just because, you know, so many hitters are keyed up to I am looking fastball on an OO count and we really don't see that pitch from Kopech and that was one thing that we saw in spring training was Grandal was catching Kopech and said about his changeup Change like oh that looks like where it was in 2020 and we've seen that pitch be effective and it was effective tonight uh, two whiffs on four swings but again he's only thrown it 10 times he is 57 percent forcing fastball 30 percent slider 87 percent two pitches He's a two-pitch pitcher, and the second pitch really isn't that good. No. The, the slider's kind of stinky, right? And, like, he needs to trust the other pitches because that slider isn't anything. You need to be able to flash and show other things 
other growth and development, and we just have not seen that from Michael Kopech. And I, I agree with you that I think that they're babying him a little bit because, again, Jimmy Lambert is a white flag move. Put Michael Kopech in and, and let him throw 100 pitches. And I guess maybe they're a little bit tentative with Davis Martin and, and the injuries, but I don't care. Yeah, you know, I feel like I feel like uh, you know the 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 fugitive where he's uh, Tommy Lee Jones is is standing in the 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 sewer pipe and he's you know Harrison Ford's like I didn't kill my wife and Tommy Lee Jones is like I don't care I don't um, care I mean we even <laughs> see uh, you know Steven's guy Tuki Toussaint who uh, I got yeah yeah uh, Sam on Twitter and then I think Husky bringing him up. You know, this is a guy that was a former first-round pick by the Diamondbacks, a former number one prospect. Stevens gushing about this man's curveball. But what we've seen is today, in those four innings, he uses his curveball 31% of the time, his splitter 27% of the time, his sinker 24% of the time, and his forcing fastball 18% of the time. He is varying his pitches 15, 13, 12, 9 on 49 pitches, where, again, Kopech is reliant on two pitches. And if it was a great pitch, if it was a top-tier slider, and it was, you know, both pitches were negative run value, throw him 87% of the fucking time. But you, you, one of those is bad. Like, I, there needs to be more coaching. Steven, you wanted to jump in. Yeah, I was just going to talk about Tukey. He peaked as the number 50 prospect in baseball in MLB Pipeline back in 2019. His curveball was graded at 65. His issue has always been his command, though. He walked away too many people, and that's why he's bounced around as many organizations as he has. Today, he looked really sharp. And Vinny Duber tweeted out that Tukey Tassant, who threw four hitless innings tonight, said he didn't get to the ballpark until 6 p.m. for a 7-10 start. After sitting in traffic coming from O'Hare, <laughs> dude has lived in Chicago for like five hours and already learned to avoid the Kennedy at all costs. Hey, amen. Uh, and then, then he goes the, out and th line. throws those, yeah, four hitless innings with, I think, four strikeouts and two walks today. Yeah. Well, and just to look, too, I mean, uh, Stephen mentioned the curveball. Uh, three called strikes, four whiffs on five swings, so an 80% whiff rate on that curveball. Um, seven called strikes plus whiffs. For a called strike with percentage of forty seven percent, which was 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 really good. It looks um, like a true twelve to six curveball. Haven't seen one of those consistently for the White Sox in a in a decent time. I know Dylan kind of throws a knuckle curve that's someone like that. Didn't like the twelve six. I feel like Dylan's is more twelve six, and Tukey's was a little bit more. It's twelve da six. Dare I say one one seven? No. Dare I, was... I say one seven to two eight? Like yeah. I, I I feel like it's got a little bit more tail. I feel like it's not. Joe Kelly level because it doesn't have the velocity, but no. I feel like it's a little bit more of of that that action rather where it's it's a little bit more. I think it's looping. Know. It's going right over the top and it falls off the table. If you ask, vertical break. Who was it? Uh, low. Ask low about it. Horizontal break. All right. Uh, his average horizontal break was ten. I have no idea what that what the major league average is for a curveball. There you go. Thank you, everybody. Uh, welcome. Uh, have a good night. Uh, let's and Axminster, I got it. We are, we talked about Pedro doing that with uh, Clevenger also earlier when I was discussing. Right. Him. I mean, it's Michael it's not Kopech. it's not against the past Pedro moves to pull a guy after he had taxing innings. Yeah. Um. But again, then put Joe Kelly in. Put somebody else <laughs> in who can actually have a competitive inning and not. Jimmy Lambert coming off a rehab assignment facing Seager, Lowe, Garcia, uh, Rafael Palmero, Alex Rodriguez, Ivan Rodriguez, uh, who's the other dude that used to hit Adrian balls? Beltran. Adrian Beltre, uh, Beltre. Uh, but then who's the other guy? Juan Gonzalez. Josh Hamilton. Yeah, Josh Hamilton, him too. Um, and Prince Fielder. Hank Blaylock, fucking Michael Young. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, let's keep going. Mercy. Um, I think I'm tapped out. Uh, Matthews Mark Jr. Mark, T Mark Teixeira. Uh, Scott Feldman. Uh, let's pitcher? take a break. He is a pitcher. <laughs> he is a pitcher. Uh, who's the Travis Wood? Was Travis Wood a Texas Ranger? Steven, be a producer. Look up if Travis Wood was a producer. I know he, that, he could hit homers. I know, you know a postseason homer. I know he was a Kansas City Royal and a Cub. I know he was a Cub. I don't know if if Travis Wood. I was feel like I'm Texas more offended that Sean didn't ask me about Travis Wood. Yeah, Steven, that's kind of crazy. Well, I just asked him to. to it's, it's you, you talk about you know Chicago public school failing you. So Listen, I don't know if you yeah, but a, that's a, a that's a Chicago Cub knowledge right there. That's one okay, on one. Did, okay, uh, before you before you answer <laughs> if Travis Wood was a Texas Ranger, Mike was Travis Wood a Texas Ranger? No. Okay. All right, Steven. Correct. 
He was not? He was not. Okay. All right. Hey, there you go. Hey, I look want at, look at Lucky Mike. Hey, I want thank you, you guys thank you to for look up my TED Talk. I guys want you to look up Travis Wood and look at the first picture of the picture they have for Travis Wood. Oh yeah, Travis Wood looking great these days. <laughs> He's retirement. Looking fit. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Went out to Florida. Got got a tan. Ooh, mercy. Staying. <laughs> Cut his hair a little bit. Hey, if you are uh, like Travis Wood and you're going to be getting sun, uh, take on the sun with gear built to last. Uh, you'll have a, a crazy, uh, if you are like that Travis Wood, you'll have a crazy, um, once he takes the sunglasses off, like a crazy. Uh, sun. Uh, right? Yeah, sun, yeah. Sun, sun, sunburn. I mean, you know, make sure you're, you're putting on sunblock. Make sure you're, you're, you're protecting your skin. But take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shade Race have you covered for warm weather. Don't put sunblock in your eyes. Please, don't. Put your shady rays on, and then put the sunblock on. Right, and then it, but then again, be careful because again, you might get that farmer's tan thing. Uh, take on the summer gear belts to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with the warm weather head with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world class product. That's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. They have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Herb, how many? protection programs in eyewear can you name i can name zero except for no, the shady rays one one every except pair for shady race. of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements if you lose or break your pair even on day one they told us that they will send you a brand new pair of herb no questions asked boom wear your shady rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase and if you don't love your shady rays i don't know why you wouldn't you can exchange them for a new pair because their friendly, friendly support staff is here to help you and have your back. Or you can return them for free within 30 days. And exclusively for our listeners, Shader Rays is giving our, their best deal of the season. Go to ShaderRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized shades. Try for yourself the shades and sunglasses rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Also, want to let you know about Pins and Aces. Our producer Steven's a big fan of pins and aces. Uh, we are a big fan of pins and aces. I think we got a golf outing soon, so I'm very excited to rock my pins and aces gear on the course. Pins and aces is the official golf apparel partner of All City and CHGO. Uh, Steven loves his pins and aces gear. Uh, I'm excited to get mine in the mail. And uh, Steven, when he was out in Arizona, got tons of compliments on and off the course when he was wearing his pins and aces gear. They're family-owned golf and apparel business, and they make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and uh, even our favorite beer sleeve, an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep those drinks cold for the entire round. Check out pinsandaces.com and use code CHGO and receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. Uh, Herb, hello. if people want to get tickets to a game, where should they go? They should go to game time, game like time. I went there. Boom. Uh, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful, should it be, Herb? It should not. Game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets to all your favorite sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. And with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you could stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you'll have. You just Did you buy tickets recently from game time? I always buy tickets oh, from game time. If I go true. to a White Sox game, I'm buying exclusively from game time. And when I bought my tickets to Avet Brothers in Denver at Red Rocks, game time. Boom. Uh, they have the lowest price guarantee. And event can cancellation protection. So I know Herb is all upset about rain delays or gets worried. Don't worry. They have your protection uh, for your tickets. So if you do run into some rain like uh, the Braves and Phillies did, they will have you protected for your game. Uh, mm -hmm. And forget planning in months in advance. Game time has deals uh, right up to the day of the event. So if you did forget that today was Pride Night and wanted to go show your support or go celebrate Pride Night at Guaranteed Rate Field, you could have got those last minute with Game Time. Snag the tickets out the stress. Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code CHGO for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for twenty dollars off. Team, download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed, we are now joined by Vinny Duber. You can follow Vinny Duber on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer, and you can read his latest piece about the wacky, wild win the White Sox had on Tuesday uh, at allchgo.com. Uh, let's jump into Michael Kopech, because I think that was probably our most vibrant discussion. Uh, what did Pedro and Michael have to say about just four innings because we discussed the 86 pitches uh, and we discussed Pedro's propensity before to take out pitchers who had taxing e innings uh, out uh, to not overwork them. Is, it, is that just the case tonight? 
Basically, that's what Pedro was saying, that uh, the pitch count was jumping up there in the third and fourth inning, which obviously, you know, anyone could could see and notice. He threw 86 pitches in four innings, which is a lot uh, for four innings. But, uh, you know, basically said that he saw this as an opportunity to get Kopech some rest. Uh, the off day obviously is going to push, or, you know, will we'll give Kopech an extra day of rest. And then you've got, uh, I guess, one more inning of that. But I, I think based, I think Michael Kopech explained it a little better really which was he didn't have it tonight and Pedro recognized that uh you know it, it wasn't a uh 6-1 lead when Michael Kopech came out of the game for the Rangers it was a 3-1 ball game it was uh not something that um was uh, uh you know out of reach for the White Sox um and if Michael Kopech who had struggled in both the third and fourth innings wasn't going to get the job done then there you go Kopech very upset with his performance tonight he's he, he said it's embarrassing that he's not pitching better right now for this team that he's not lasting longer in starts um he was he was very upset with how he pitched but apparently nothing wrong from a physical standpoint just uh Pedro Grifol recognized that that was a, a good time to end Kopech's night tonight Herb and I, you know, again, we talked about the decision to go to Jimmy Lambert. And you mentioned it wasn't out of reach when it was 3-1 to one and Lambert entered the game. I thought it was interesting that Pedro Grafal, the two pitchers that he used out of the bullpen, were Jimmy Lambert uh, making his first appearance off of a rehab assignment, and then Tuki Toussaint, who, as you noted on Twitter, uh, spent hours in uh, 90 traffic today uh, and became a Chicagoan. So interesting. Stay away from the Kennedy. The, exactly. the expressways are unusable in this city right now. Just stay away. He should have, have taken, a ban. He should have taken North Avenue all the way. <laughs> he should have taken Roosevelt road all the way in because the, you can't, you can't work with these expressways right now. My God. But did Pedro talk about the decision to go to uh, Lambert and Toussaint? Because obviously maybe Toussaint makes a little bit more sense because they want the length when it's 6-1, but maybe Lambert in that 3-1 uh, uh, situation, especially with Seeger low and, and Garcia up, was just kind of baffling to us. I mean, listen, I know everybody watching on TV likes to to, to second-guess the, the – uh, selections of the relief pitchers it wasn't tonight that wasn't a topic of discussion in the post game um, but I will say this Michael Kopech only pitched four innings and if you are going to be in a closer game you know if that score is is not 6-1 I don't know if Tuki Toussaint comes in you know what I mean because it doesn't become a oh well we got to figure out how to cover the last four innings here without killing the bullpen you got an off day tomorrow it, at that point Jimmy Lambert is probably the first of five different pitchers that might be used on the evening so um, you know it's all hypothetical once he gives up the home run, but uh, you know, he was almost out of that, out of that jam. He was a strike away from getting out of that without giving up any runs. And, uh, and it didn't work out obviously, but um, you know, if you're, I'm listen, there are better pitchers in that bullpen. There's no doubt about it. You just need to look at the, num, uh, look at the, uh, the, the stat sheet, but um, you know, it was probably the first of many bullpen decisions that Pedro would have had to made had that game remained a little closer. This is a weird thing, uh, and I know that it probably wasn't asked because of it's a six to three game. It's a very minor thing. It's a little nitpicky thing that I'm uh, obsessed with now. Zach oh, yeah. Rimmelard. <laughs> Zach Rimmelard. He keeps on bunting. What, like, what is up with that? It's irritating to me right now because I think at the time he bunted the tonight it was like a six to one game, and so like bunting five runs down is kind of weird. It turned out to just be a sack bunt, but uh, I just I don't get the point of him bunting all the damn time and I'm no, I'm pretty sure Pedro's not putting on a bunt down five runs it just he's a frustrating player because he can do the things he did last night where he's scoring the tying run or driving the tying run and he did that on Friday but then bunting every damn game too so it's neither a question for you I just wanted to get that off my chest for a show well, ended, I'll, I'll say this Herb I usually am on the uh I don't want to say opposite, but I'll say other end of the this whole everybody hates the bunt. I usually say do whatever you want if you think if it's going to work. But I said the exact same thing up in the press box. Said, man, he bunts a lot. So uh, it, it has not gone unnoticed by even uh, those of us who are not, um, you know, uh, 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 eagle-eyed onlookers for for a for a bunt situation. Well, it, it just frustrates me because I, I think the thing that I'm probably realizing is that, again, Pedro is closer to 
Eduardo Perez and Ozzie Guillen in age, and we see that Zach Remillard comes in on Saturday and he lays down the bunt and it wins the game. And you know Herb now wants to make a lifetime movie about Zach Remillard's life. He needs a um, lifetime movie. No, he doesn't. He does. No, he doesn't. It's a great, mo- it's a great story. Make a Shohei Otani movie. I mean, the man's Superman. Uh, anyway, make both. I, I just think that, and even Ozzie said on the Sunday pregame, just like you know, he he practices. Practices it down in, in the minor leagues, and that's a valuable asset. And it's just, I, I just, I, I do think that Pedro is likely calling for Remillard to bunt in that situation. And I've, I've heard some people try to defend that in all the situations where he has been bunting, the, the defender has been back. But I think he's bunted four times now, and he's been out three of those times. Yes. Like that's, it's just, I don't think the success rate is great. And to go into a topic that kind of blends in together if Zach Remillard wouldn't be playing T.A. and Jose Rodriguez um, we kind of talked about this with the pregame uh, with Rodriguez and T.A. it sounds like T.A. is still day-to-day probably more of an off-day topic anyway so it doesn't have to be a main touch here but why isn't Jose Rodriguez going to get a chance uh, with the White Sox because it, it really doesn't sound like Pedro Griffol is too eager to put him into the lineup unless it's a pinch hitting or uh, running situation. Well, you summed up what Pedro said, so I don't need to really repeat that. Uh, What I will say is go look at the 40-man roster uh, because Jose Rodriguez was the only infielder they could have called up when Romy Gonzalez went on the injured list. Um, He's Everybody else on that 40-man roster is either currently on the active roster, injured, which describes three, three of them, uh, or just coming off of minor league injuries. Brian Ramos has played something like 20 games uh, down in the minor leagues, and then uh, Lenin Sosa is just off the IL in uh, in AAA. This is this was I can gather from what the comments that Rick Hahn made the other day. This would have this was supposed to be Lenin Sosa, but Lenin Sosa just came off the IL down there, and he might not have been fully ready to play at the big league level. Um, Jose Rodriguez probably is not ready to play at the big league level either. He's here to be used in a pinch like he was last night. Um, he is not here because his development dictated it. He has had some nice success at double A, so I get why they felt he was. it was relatively comfortable to go ahead and bring him up. But if they were to choose anybody else, they would have had to make a 40-man roster move. Jose Rodriguez is on the 40-man roster. He's an infielder. He's up. I, I, I don't think it's a big – I don't think it's that – big of a deal. I understand that, that people want to see these young guys play when they get called up. And the White Sox themselves have always said when promoting guys, if you remember back to Luis Robert Jr. and Deloy Jimenez, we don't want to call them up until they are fully ready and they can thrive, not just survive up here. But sometimes rostered realities are what they are. And so I don't think this should be made that big of a deal of, but there is an answer to your question. Yes. I hear that with the 40-man the roster, and then and then you see that, you know, Tucson's claimed off waivers. He becomes the 40th man on the roster, and you see Tucson's uh, con- contributions tonight. I mean, it might, might not be in a win, but it is four innings that he was able to eat, uh, which, you know, Jose Rodriguez getting four at-bats, how, how truly significant is that to the team where at least Tucson's able to give uh, the pitchers some rest tonight. And, and that was my one thing is, you know, Pedro has a guy in Hanser Alberto. If there was that you know, additional 40-man roster, why not maybe just go sign him and just, you know, then you could just DFA him once you're, you're done using him. But again, you know, that, that spot's for Tucson, and, and that at least makes sense that, you know, they're kind of in a pinch there. And the last thing I got for you, Vinny, uh, we saw a late scratch for Yasmani Grandal before the game. What happened, and uh, what is his status? He's day-to-day right now. He slipped uh, doing pregame work. Uh, it wasn't specified exactly what that work was, but he slipped while working out before the game. Um, the knee felt sore after he did so, and so they scratched him. I think the idea was that he probably could have gone, but had he started and then an inning or two innings into the game, he's not feeling good, then you got to take him out and you're down to just one catcher for the rest of the game. Uh, we were, you know, pointing out up here in the press box that there were multiple times when Sebi was uh, – having words with the home plate umpire, whether that be as the catcher or when he was batting. Um, and we were like, Ooh, don't be careful. You're the only catcher tonight. So, but apparently as Pedro put it, um, Yasmani could have probably started. He was probably okay enough to play, but they didn't want him to have to come out and then only be down to one. Yeah. Every time 
Sebi was just moving his mouth. Herb was like, watch yourself. Watch yourself. Did did they bring up emergency catcher situations? Is it Zach Remillard? We don't know. We were guessing. I it wouldn't surprise me if it's Zach Remillard. Apparently, he can play everything. So, could you could you ask on Friday just for a goof if if yes, Monty Grandall's out of the lineup? I'm not sure Pedro will tell us, but we can Damn. find out. I it was asked of he he brought up earlier pregame talking yesterday because uh, we asked about Tim and he said, you know, they didn't want to send Tim wasn't going to go out and play the field after he pinch hit. And the idea was that if that game had kept going, that, that, you know, the next move was losing the DH and putting a in the field. And then if they needed something else at some other point, it was going to be a pitcher. He said they were going to use a pitcher to do something. And so it was followed up with which pitcher was it going to be? And he, he re- declined to share who that was going to be. Did he say what position it would be or would it be outfield? I don't know. I was kind of trying to figure out what it would have even what it even would have been because if you put Aloy in the outfield, you're out of bench players. Like you don't, you need to have nine position players. You're not going to pinch hit one of your guys for a pitcher. So I, I'm not quite sure what that meant to be quite honest with you, but it, it ties into your question there. Now, now I'm racking my brain of who that, that I want to talk about that probably on the off day show. I'm going to just do all of my homework and try to figure out, you know, who, who has the, 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 the flexibility. Uh, I think maybe Nick Padilla, because he would still be on the Nick, roster. Padilla. Maybe they're just like, hey, you know, just, <laughs> you know, but he didn't get sent down. But he was on the team yesterday. Oh, yes, this was yesterday's okay. game. So, I mean, I think he was still on the active roster yesterday. I'm, I but I mean, know. like, who would he even have had? Like, there was nobody even left to like pinch run for. Right, like who? No one was in the game that would even be like a liability in that department. I guess Vaughn, right? Vaughn was playing first base, but like, you'd rather—I don't know. I think you'd rather have him run than the pitcher, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Remillard's in right field, Benny's in left field, and then Robert's Robert came in, center. in to play center. So, I mean, really, what Remillard would be the only? But like, who is he subbing him for? I don't get this situation. Yeah, I, how I'm long not is sure this what game? It was either. I guess it's Pedro's just, playing until the sun burns out. <laughs> I guess it's I guess it's just a glimpse into the uh, White Sox emergency plans. I, I, I want to see that book. I need I need that book to slip off a truck and and make it into my hands. I, I want to see all of their emergencies. Um, I, that's not gonna you know that's a, a national security threat if all the White Sox plans are released. I think that would just make my day. Uh, anyways, that's Vinny Duber. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Vinny, I'm gonna leave the floor to you. You can either release the name of the people that will, will uh the, of the interviewee uh tomorrow or you can give a hint so it's, it's up to you it feels some 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 freedom here mm, that's a good question i think i'll give a hint just because i don't want to full blow go with it in case we run into some sort of technical difficulties so uh expect a uh well this is just gonna give it away anyway let's expect a large <laughs> game guest uh tomorrow <laughs> on the, uh, the off game show how about that <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, follow Vinny on Twitter uh, at Vinny Duber. Uh, that's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Eknerwall23. He's our CHGO 8 Sox community leader. And I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. 530 tomorrow? Yes, 530. 5, 5.30 is our off-day show tomorrow. So join us here on our CHGO Sports YouTube channel. Make sure you're hitting that thumbs-up button and subscribing to our channel. Uh, we got 31 likes. Liam Hendricks numbers of likes, which I think is appropriate for Pride Night. Or Greg Knight Norton. Or Greg Norton, who is also a huge you are the greatest. LGBTQ uh, plus ally, I, I think, uh, just like Liam Hendricks. Anyways, uh, we will see y'all tomorrow at 530 for the off day show. Thank you to Steven and Mike for producing the show, and we will see you tomorrow. Go Sox.